0: During this episode, Dr. Wakas El-Sadiq, founder and CEO of Biotricity, a business recognized as one of the top 50 most innovative companies by Fast Company, joins us to discuss the why and the how of building his medical diagnostic and consumer healthcare technology startup. Additionally, Dr. El-Sadiq shares the positive impact his team is having as they continue to bring their biometric remote monitoring solutions to market. Join us to learn how Dr. El-Sadiq and the Biotricity team are powering healthcare with connected medical devices and real-time communication. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Buscelli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Hi, Dr. Al-Sadiq, a warm welcome to our podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, given your passion for the potential that IoT connected technology, enhanced with artificial intelligence, can bring to healthcare and how you are making all this a reality. I'm thrilled to spend some time today with you to discuss this exciting topic. But before we dive in a bit of housekeeping while listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. So you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search passionate pioneers with Mike Buscelli on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter, in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, well Koss, it's almost time for our community to learn how you and the Biotricity team are building a modern medical technology company committed to improving healthcare by developing solutions that aid chronic disease prevention and management. But first, what's that one piece of advice that you'd give to others who are passionate about reimagining the health of our world? Great question, Mike. I'm gonna cheat
1: a little because I think that there's two important things. Whenever we talk about entrepreneurship, we talk about team and how do you build a team and then also commercialization. And I think that it's very critical to find individuals that are passionate about this, solving the same problem that you're trying to solve. Because passion is something that doesn't turn off. It's 24-7. You're up at night. You're thinking about it. You're going for a walk. You're constantly engaged with this struggle and this vision that you want to implement. And you need people like that. And the second piece of advice is really around the commercialization and when you talk about healthcare healthcare is tough we know we have FDA clearances we have reimbursements and so I always say try to figure out are you a reimbursement model is there a reimbursement that you need to deliver your technology and if the answer is no that's okay then you really need to look at the business model from a what is the clinical value of what I'm doing and how am I saving money to the insurer or to the providers so clinical value to the patient or value in terms of cost reduction to the insurer or provider, or I'm going to fit into a reimbursement model. And I think that that really helps as you build your technology and a path to commercializing the product at the end, which is what we're always after.
0: Wow. We're getting some big bang for the buck today on this podcast. Two very important pieces of advice will cost. I'm fortunate, just like yourself, I'm fortunate to mentor a lot of founding entrepreneurs and startups. And I could not agree with you more. You have to find those team members. It's who they are, it's not what they do, right? The passion literally rips you out of bed in the morning. It keeps you going. Because you know as well as I do with and we're gonna talk about all the things you've built with the Biotricity team and everything that you've been doing in healthcare. You know as well as I do, this is not an easy industry to innovate in. It is very difficult and it really springboards my comments into your second piece of advice. It's follow the money, find the reimbursement, find the revenue stream for your technology. Sure, you can build a solution but if there's no way to find that revenue stream, you're not going to have a business, right? And that's the complexity of healthcare, whether it be through, you know, a regulated or reimbursement model, or if it's a pure consumer play, okay, whatever that might look like, you have to find it and be crystal clear on it. So two incredibly important pieces of advice what Cost. I appreciate it. And I could not agree with you more. I actually really love the first one myself. You know as well as I do what Cost, and I'm sure we'll talk about it some more here, but you can start it with your startup and having a vision of X. And it can quickly turn to Y and you got to pivot. There's twists and turns along the way, but it's that passion and that dedication that keeps you coming back to keep pushing the rock up the hill. Those are the teams that end up winning at the end of the day. So again, thank you for those critical pieces of advice. And I can't wait to talk about how you have brought passion, brought that commitment and that fire into biotricity and the ways that you guys have figured out the reimbursement models for what you are building And we're gonna discuss all of this and more after we get back from thanking our community champion sponsor. Located in Denver, Colorado's nationally ranked River North District, Catalyst is a healthcare innovation campus that brings together stakeholders from across the industry to accelerate innovation and drive real lasting change our nation desperately needs. From established organizations to startups, from accelerators to advocacy organizations, and from medical schools to global companies, Everyone at Catalyst works side-by-side to create, develop, refine, and bring to market cutting-edge innovations that will fundamentally transform healthcare as we know it. With industry leaders like Medical Group Management Association, Olive, Medical Solutions, UC Health, CirrusMD, and many others calling Catalyst home, along with innovative pioneers visiting from across the nation, Catalyst continually fosters their foundational belief that collaboration and partnerships will move the healthcare industry forward. To virtually tour Catalyst and claim your space on campus or host an upcoming event, visit CatalystHealthTech.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. All right, we are back with Dr. Wakas El-Sadiq, founder and CEO of Biotricity. Wakas, thank you so much for setting the stage on the front end. Two critical pieces of advice to build a company that can help innovate healthcare. Those are two critical pieces of advice. Find team members that are passionate. And of course, then follow the reimbursement model in this very complex industry. So thank you for sharing that on the front end. But of course, we're now really gonna dive deep into Biotricity. You guys have been around now for over eight years. Can't wait to hear the founding story. What were the aha moments? How did it come to be in the first place? Then of course, what costs? What are you guys building today? How are things going and shaping up for you in the marketplace today? Then we're gonna pull that crystal ball off the shelf for a little bit, discuss What are you seeing in the future? What's going to be happening? What do we be mindful of as leaders in this industry? What are you seeing? And of course, where is biotricity going to be playing in that future state? Then can't let you off the hook. We got to be able to ask you a question, how we can be helping you out. We'll get to that in a moment as well. But for now, what give us a little bit of that founder's journey. How did it all come to be in the first place? What were those aha moments? What was it like building biotricity from scratch?
1: Great question. You know, for me, my interest in monitoring really started for my grad school. So I did a bunch of stuff in sensor networks, and those that know me, I was really engaged in my younger days in wireless networks and wireless sensor monitoring, and the idea of using sensors to monitor and bring that data back into a central place to take action. And so I kind of like left that, went into the industry, did the big engineering thing at the big firms, and then went in and did the investment banking thing. And when I started doing the investment banking thing and started looking at And then my focus as a technologist was really to analyze ideas and determine is this a good investor or a good investment or not. And what I realized is that you know I had some ideas of my own, and I really was connecting back to this idea of healthcare. But I was still young at the time, so I wasn't completely confident in starting the entrepreneurial journey myself. And so engaged with a few other health companies. And what I realized was that everybody at that time was enamored with the Fitbit model, right, with the Job-owned model with these fitness tracking because this was exploding. Everybody was saying that the fitness trackers are gonna come in, they're gonna explode, they're gonna add all these sensors and they're gonna really disrupt healthcare. And the reality was that they just weren't clinically accurate enough. And when I actually sat down and analyzed the space, we keep on looking at this and we say, well, 70 cents of every dollar is spent on chronic conditions. So it's not going to the ER. It's not going for a flu. It's really about chronic care, right? Once you get diagnosed with a condition that you have to live with for the rest of your life, that's where the game is. And so I started Biotricity with the premise that we're gonna build a remote patient monitoring platform and we're gonna enable this IoT concept and we're just going to use it as a platform from a base that people are going to then take, add whatever sensor they want and commercialize it. And what I realized was that things were very siloed. kind of that transformation I was talking about earlier about finding passionate leaders. So I basically changed the entire premise of the company a year in and said, no, we're going to go and pick a market, right? And we're going to go pick cardiac because what we saw was that in all of these disease modalities and cardiac is the number one killer in every country in the world. But you have one company that's doing diagnostics, another company that's doing disease management, another company that's doing passive recording. So everything is very siloed. So nobody's really creating a holistic patient journey. And so we said, you know what, we're going to do that. And we're going to start with diagnostics, but high-end diagnostics. So we created the bioflux and that was our beginning part of our journey. Wow.
0: So exciting. And you're right. I remember that moment in time where everybody was talking about the Fitbits. Everybody's talking about the jaw bones and my God, it's going to just revolutionize everything. And then we kind of were trying to cross that chasm and it kind of just died on a vine a bit. Now, of course, you know, we're seeing the Apple watches, having a lot of sensors in it. Great, that's awesome. But I love the fact that you really looked at and saw the opportunity within the chronic space. I mean, absolutely brilliant. What was the initial response? Did you go out there? Did you talk to patients? Were you talking to providers? You had a theory. How did you go prove it out that, yes, we're going to go build around that? What were some of those steps that you took as an organization?
1: So what we first did is we found organizations and physicians cardiologists, of course, interventional cardiologists, and said, you know, what is your problem? What is going on with the market? We looked at what was going on in the market landscape in terms of technology, who's using what, what is the industry standard? And what we realized was that there is this market of mobile cardiac telemetry, which is real-time, high-end monitoring. But at that time, the cell phone was not integrated. So you're giving the patient a device plus a cell phone. They have to charge everything. They have to manage all of this stuff. And just the workflow was a bit messy. And then what we also saw was that the way that this was delivered to the individual, the workflow was a bit broken in the sense that it's an outsourced service. So if I'm coming to you and you're my cardiologist, you're giving me a prescription, you're saying go somewhere else, get this done and then come back. So again, that became a problem. And when we analyzed what is the usage of this technology of real-time cardiac monitoring in the United States, we saw that 20, 30% of the market was actually using it because obviously, if you have to have a physical location for a patient to go, you're going to only invest in metropolitan centers. So the rural markets were left open, the suburbans were left open. And so when we went in and we said, okay, that's the market we're going to go after, but we're going to take a different play. We're not going to be a service provider. We're going to be a technology enabler to the providers so that they use our technology, they can deliver this to the patient. And we're essentially going to democratize this idea of real-time monitoring.
0: It's powerful. Again, so important for our aspiring entrepreneurs and founders out there to hear that. Get out of your office, get out of your own vacuum, get into the field, get into the trenches, and ask those end users what it's like. And let's stay on the end user kind of topic for a little bit, What Cost. Let's talk about the patients themselves. Sometimes, you know, a little bit of a fallacy as well. Yes, we saw the hype cycle with jawbone fib and all of that, but when you start talking about the specificity of managing chronic diseases, like you're mentioning with your products within the cardiac space, it's powerful, right? And it's needed. What has the response been? from the end users, from the patients themselves, whether you hear it from the providers that are your customers, or you're hearing it directly at the end of the day, what are those end users, those end consumers saying about the technology?
1: You know, that's a a loaded question and multi-layered, and I'll respond to it in different ways because it's so interesting in terms of what was the conversation when we first launched the product versus now, right? As your technology improves and as you progress and as pioneers and as innovators, we constantly want to improve, right? What I can say, And I'm a big believer in real-time monitoring, even though we have now a non-real-time monitor. But if it came to me or my mother or anybody, I would prefer a real-time monitor because what they do is at three o'clock in the morning when you're asleep and you have a cardiac issue, it notifies somebody and it's saying, hey, something is happening. And so what does that mean? So let's quantify that. There's about 26,000 people alive today because we caught the issue when they were sleeping, when their loved one was in a different room. They thought they were taking a nap, but they were not taking a nap. That is hugely powerful. And that was made possible, I would say, a large part because A, we listen to our patients. We listen to what they wanted. And then in the beginning, it was like, we don't like this. We don't like the beeping. We get worried when we see all of these notifications on the screens because our whole approach was let's provide them with all the information and as much information as we can. And instead what happened was we were overloading the patient. Now, when I try to go and I try to get feedback, which I'm actually very happy about, and I'm like, well, tell me what's wrong. Like do you have this problem? Do you not like this issue with the device? And one of the ladies was responding because I was very concerned about the use case and charging and all that. And it was funny because one of the comments coming back was like, I don't really care about the charger or how relevant that is. What I care about is knowing that someone is, it can access my ECG at three o'clock in the morning. So everything else is not a problem. So that peace of mind component, we are finally able to get to a point where the patients are, and no product is perfect, but the peace of mind and the quality of what we are delivering is above and beyond anything else that we can do from a feature set, which is great.
0: Yeah, no, it's powerful. And, you know, as you mentioned, will cost again, being out there, getting that feedback in real time from the end users and hearing what is resonating, what is not, what they do or do not like, that's how you continue to perfect the product and the technology and the offering to your end users. So thank you kind of for sharing the messy in the middle and kind of the realities of what it's like to iterate and innovate in this space. It doesn't happen overnight and you have to get out there and get that end user feedback. Now, costs? that's obviously where you talked about the cardiac space. That's where Biotricity got its roots, if you will. Let's talk a little bit about today. Where is the company
1: today? What are the other offerings out there right now? What's going on in today's world with Biotricity? So everything that we do at Biotricity is tied to our vision, right? So our vision was we wanted to track the patient through this cardiac patient journey. And so that was our core, right? We started in high-end diagnostics. So this is The patients that can have a stroke, they can have a heart attack, they need to be monitored and that data needs to be available. So you're talking about something happening three o'clock in the morning. So we created the smart monitor, which is the BioFlux. And then we said, okay, well, once you've been diagnosed, what happens then? Well, many of these patients go into the Holter market, right? So there's a number of players in the Holter space. And we looked at the Holter space and the good thing at BiotrCity is You know, people will look at us and they'll be like, you guys want to develop everything yourself. And the reality is we actually don't want to develop everything ourselves. We actually went out at that time and we said, okay, for passive monitoring, we're going to go find somebody to partner with. And all of the technology was just not good enough, right? You were waiting two weeks to get a summary report to a patient. I don't think a patient that has any sort of cardiac risk or any cardiac diagnosis can wait two weeks to figure out what is going on with them. So we created our own, we created a connected holster monitor. And what that does is it chops that down to three days. So it's recording your data. It's not as critical as the high risk market, but it is available within three days. And that has completely changed the game. And again, the commercialization strategy is being a technology enabler. And this is very key for us because we care about listening to the patient from an improvement perspective, but because we are not servicing and not the service provider, like we are not providing the diagnosis ourselves and doing the diagnostic work, it allows us to focus on technology. And so we enable the technology, we provide it to the hospitals and the providers, they can hook up the patients, they can bill insurance, they deal with all of that. And we focus on how do we keep providing the best in class on the technology side. So that is the second product we built. And then we said, okay, now you've gotten your diagnosis, you've been diagnosed, you've got your checkup. What about in between that? because most of health happens outside of the clinic. It happens while you're living life, you're exploring the world. So what we saw was you've got these devices, like the Apple Watch you mentioned earlier, 30 seconds ECG that you have to manually connect. So knowing that 26,000 patients are alive because we caught issues at three o'clock in the morning, we know that a large portion of these issues are happening at night. We know this clinically, we know this from patients, we know this from talking to our doctors. And so we created the BioHeart product, and that is basically a personal heart monitor that is collecting data continuously. And what it does is it summarizes that data and makes it available for disease management. So that is the last end of the cycle, right? How does your physician come in and track you? And so when you go back to the physician after a month and saying, hey, how are you doing, prescription, et cetera, whatever it is that you need to do, there's a summary. And again, there's a commercialization strategy there because this is where CMS and this is where insurance wants to go. But in heart disease, In the world of diabetes, you've had a glucometer. In heart disease and heart issues, nobody's been able to build a product that is continuously monitoring their heart until we build the BioHeart. Wow, what a roadmap.
0: And in regards to, you know, we start thinking about that connected patient, getting that data to the providers, to the care team. To your point, what costs? It's not just that moment in time where I go and do, my as an example, my physical once a year, right? My health is important to me 24 hours a day And if I have an acute issue and a chronic issue that you, you know, just described in regards to maybe a cardiac problem, being able to have that data being fed to my care team in real time, that's powerful. That is how you, like you mentioned, that's how you've been able to save 20 plus thousand lives that you mentioned earlier. That's powerful, powerful examples. And so with that, what cost? obviously an exciting roadmap today, things are going great. You're building those products that you saw that weren't in the marketplace. Where are things heading as well? You know, let's take that crystal ball off the shelf for a bit. Where do you see things heading for this industry, for this marketplace? And then, of course, where is Biotricity going to be playing
1: in that as well? With every company, you're always thinking, and at least for me, you know, I'm always thinking three years ahead, five years ahead, what is our plan? And so next year is very exciting for us because we're essentially completing the cardiac portfolio for our existing customers, right? We've got these 2,200 physicians across 31 states. They're using our diagnostic products. Now they're going to start using our disease management products, but really, The vision for me, which I set out and it's funny, you know, you say, how long does it take you to accomplish your vision? Right. I came up with the vision eight years ago and I still haven't accomplished it. Right. So in some ways, it's a failure waiting for success. Right. And what I think about is I wanted to democratize cardiac care. Right. And democratizing cardiac care means cardiac care is available to everybody in the United States. And that's really, really hard to do because when you go to the rural, you go to the suburban areas, cardiologists just aren't there. There's just not enough of them. So I have built, with Biotricity and the team here, we have built an ecosystem. And as we complete this ecosystem, and I think the next three to five years is really about how do we take that ecosystem and make it available to everybody? Because with telehealth and telemedicine, the parity laws removed, the fact that we can ship diagnostic monitors anywhere in the country, why can't somebody in rural Alaska, download an app, order a cardiac diagnostic study, and have a, a world-renowned cardiologist sitting in Minnesota or Colorado or San Francisco review that data and give them a diagnosis so that if they really need to make that two hour trip to the city center, they have a reason to. And so that is what I see Biotracy doing in the next, you know, three to five years, is taking our ecosystem and making it available. And the one thing we have learned is that these physicians, they're always seeing new patients. The best patients for them to see are patients that are already screened, and we have the tool to screen them, right? We can give them a diagnostic tool that collects their data so that the physician can diagnose them. So we just got to make sure that that tool is available everywhere. And that's what I see, and that's where we're headed. Well,
0: and also, too, you know, let's just call the elephant out in the room a little bit in healthcare. You know, as well as I do, one of the biggest challenges we're experiencing, not just today, but will be for quite some time, is the great burnout, right? When we're thinking about how many physicians, how many trained care providers are leaving the industry just as you mentioned there's just not enough there's just not enough physicians out there and so to be able to give the physicians that are there that are committed to delivering care to the masses to give them this suite of technology and products for like you said the Mary Sue who lives in rural Alaska that's powerful do you see that do you see that as an opportunity as well where we're going to be literally lacking enough of the workforce to handle all of the, all of the patients that, are, that have these needs and being able to help solve for it with your suite of technologies?
1: I would say that problem is already happening, right? It happened through COVID. We had the burnout. Not only that, a lot of the disease management programs that are coming out, they're not focused on a disease modality. They're generic or they're collecting so much information that is not clinically relevant that you're inundating the physician and the staff with data, right? And so what we do at Biotricity, and I think the magic of our approach that where we started was because we started in diagnostics, we know what the cardiologists are looking for. We know what is clinically important. And so when we're collecting this information, we're providing it to them in a format that focuses their eyes on what's important. And we know how to do that because we've been doing this for years now. And we've been doing it with the diagnostic product, so it leverages in. So I think it's a two-layer problem, right? One is just the burnout. But the other thing is that if we inundate them with data, if we provide all of these providers, these healthcare providers, you're providing them so much information the physicians are like, I don't even know what to do with this information. So I already have too many patients. Now you're giving me reams and reams of information which I can't sift through. And so really, it's very, very important in the digital health revolution and for innovators to figure out what is meaningful clinically and really providing that information, leaving all of that data available if they need. And to give you an example, we collect three channels of data, we collect months and months of data, But when you look at a report or a summary data for one of our diagnostics for, you know, 10 days or 30 days, you're talking about 12, 13 pages. If I gave them all the data, you're talking about 90 pages. So the 90 page of information is available to the physician. They just have to go in and they can access it. But most of the time, they only need the 12 page summary. But the point is, give them access to the data that is relevant to them and make everything else available. They will determine if they need to go deeper. No, you're spot
0: on. It's exactly the issue that we're dealing with in healthcare and just kind of just society writ large. We're drowning in information, literally. I mean, we're drowning in it. There's just too much of it. And how do you kind of cut out the noise and really give the signal that is needed for these practitioners to make the calls and make the decisions and the care plans for the patients that they're taking care of? It's a great call at what It's again, not only you know, the burnout and people leaving the industry, but it's also this drowning of information. That's a great call out. And I appreciate the perspective on that as well.
1: And individuals themselves as well. So it's interesting, right? I'll use myself as a personal example because people, when we talk about chronic illnesses, we say people need to get engaged, right? People need feedback loops. So you can not also drown the individual in the information. So I'll use myself as an example because I'm probably one of the biggest users of BioHeart. So that's great. You know, I use the same technology that we're developing. And so for years, I'm a coffee lover. Anybody who knows me, I'm obsessed with coffee. And I'll drink, you know, tons and tons. And it doesn't really matter because I can always go to sleep. And so for 10 years or so, and everybody's like, you know, you shouldn't really drink coffee at night. And I'm like, okay, what you may have a sleeping problem. I don't. And so I started winning the Bioheart, and I noticed my heart rate at night while I'm sleeping is five to seven beats higher. If I drink coffee after five o'clock and I can tell you, as soon as I realized that the next day I stopped, I started drinking decaf after 5 p.m. And everybody's like, why are you drinking decaf? And I'm like, because my bioheart told me that my heart wasn't having the optimum rest, right? So somebody who's had this viewpoint and so many people, and I'm just ignoring them for years, like, like literally a decade, right? And I'm like, well, it has nothing to do with my sleep, but it wasn't about sleep. It was actually about resting heart rate, but nobody ever told me that. And the bioheart showed me that, and I was able to make that change. And so somebody who is as You know, staunchly passionate as I am. And, and, you know, people who have passion have a healthy form of stubbornness and conviction as well, right? So that's to say it nicely. Yeah, exactly, right? So you're not going to change your idea. And yet, this data point instantaneous is like a light switch. Okay, done.
0: Unbelievable. Now, if there is a perfect example of going to the dictionary and looking at the term eating your own dog food, there would be the visual of you wearing your own technology to get you off the drinking of coffee train. I couldn't agree anymore. more. A lot of uh, passionate entrepreneurs and innovators out there, they're, how do we say this nicely? We're very stuck in our ways at times, Wakas. Cost. So it's awesome to hear that your own technology changes your habits and something that you love, which is coffee. Fascinating, <laughs> fascinating example. So what costs, exciting future as well. And where you see things heading with this kind of ecosystem, not only the providers and the clinicians you work with, but also, of course, for the patients and the end consumer. Let's also now head over to where let's bring it back to currency where we can be helping you out our community we have an amazing community rallied around this podcast what's one problem or question that you have
1: that our community can be helping you with well as we opened I cheated so I'm going to cheat again there's always a few things you're always struggling with right so you know one thing for sure for me is getting more feedback on the consumer side of cardiac disease management right so we're constantly polling our bioheart customers we're constantly Trying to reach out to them and hear what are the features you need? Do you really want access to a cardiologist? Are you willing to pay for it out of pocket? Do you care? Or do you really want a physical location to go to? How would you consume that? So, this idea of moving away, and I shouldn't say moving away, adding to this in person care to going to this remote care, you know, how are people willing to accept that? Would they accept this? And really getting that feedback. We're very interested in that. We're looking for people who would help explore that with us and partner with us. And we're happy to provide technology, but we really want that feedback, right? In terms of, is this something you would really use? Would you really download an app and connect with a cardiologist if you felt palpitations, or are you really just going to wait to go to the GP? Are you really interested in a product like a BioHeart for self-management, or you're only interested in those products if the doctor's recommending? So that kind of information back from the consumer and this is really the population that's at risk, or they have family members, or they have a, a history, they're not really diagnosed yet. So we're really trying to understand individuals who are on the risk spectrum, but haven't been diagnosed yet. How do they want to consume access to cardiac services? So that's one area that I'm very interested in. The second area that I'm very interested in is we're starting our journey in disease management, right? We made an announcement about doing a disease management at two pilot sites uh, with a few hundred patients, got that feedback. Now we're rolling that out across the country. And this is really clinician driven, right? But then there's this whole concept of, well, what do the hospitals want? What does the insurer want? And we know that the insurers and the employers are adopting disease management. And when I look at disease management, I see a lot of it as generic in terms of across the board and not as disease specific. There are players that are disease specific, but by and large just across the board. And so what I'm looking at and interested in is number one killer in the world. How are employers thinking about this? How are providers thinking about these patients? Because you need to manage them when they're outside. They're the ones that are going to show up in urgent care and ER, right? And how is the insurers getting engaged? Because I saw a huge push and a huge engagement on the diabetes side, right? A lot of these providers, insurers, and, and all these people got engaged when it came to telehealth during the pandemic. And Got involved with diabetes, but in cardiac, it's a gap, it's a hole. And I'm very curious to get that feedback and see if there's anybody that's listening and is interested in the space, and especially on trying to, you know, move the needle on the number one killer in the world. Please reach out to us, and and we would love to get some insights into these two areas.
0: Well, two great areas for our community to contact you and then discuss. Those are two big areas that I know there's quite a few people in our community that would probably love to talk more about
1: this with you. But in order to do that and be able to get a hold of you,
0: how do they track you down? What costs the social media handles, websites, or otherwise? How does the community get a hold of you?
1: I'm very accessible. You can catch me on Twitter. You can catch me on LinkedIn. I'm very active there. You can catch me on email. It's WLCD at Feel free to reach out and I will get back to you or somebody on the team will get back to you. But we're very interested. We're always watching this stuff.
0: Easy enough. And just simply scroll down into the episode notes and your favorite podcast player to get a hold of what cost of those contact points will be in the episode notes. So again, simply scroll down your podcast player to get a hold of those and click on through. Or you can head over to our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com. There will be a post for what costs this episode where you can get all of those contact points online and leave some comments and feedback, suggestions, or otherwise in the comments section again over at passionatepioneers.com. Well what costs an exciting current state and an exciting future state of where you guys are today and where you're heading for tomorrow. Thank you for spending the time to talk about it today. But before we get out of here, we have one more piece for you. It's a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer
1: because I'm always trying to replace our most successful product with the next one. I love it.
0: The true inspired and aspiring entrepreneur, always trying to get better. I absolutely love it. What costs and don't be afraid still maybe enjoy a cup of coffee at five o'clock every so often. It sounds like you're pretty passionate about that as well. So all joking aside, Cost, thank you so much for being with us today to share your story, your founder's journey, and all the good things happening at Biotricity. We appreciate taking a pit stop here today. Again, thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli.